Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Helwani, back with another episode of the Wednesday Helwani Show. Hope you're all doing well. we got a lot coming up for all of you, a lot of interesting names, a lot of interesting guests. But first, I do want to give a quick shout out to my main man, Scott Van Pelt, one of the all-time great Sports Center anchors. We'll actually talk about another Sports Center legend later on in the program. But for now, let's focus on the one and only SVP and his fantastic podcast, the S. The pod. Each and every week, he and his best friend Stanford Steve talk to some of the biggest names in collegiate and professional sports. It's a great listen. So if you want to check it out, I highly suggest you subscribe to the SV Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on to today's program, which may contain some language that's not suitable for all audiences. So listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show. Back in your life on this Wednesday, December 2nd, 2000. 20. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the program. A lot to discuss with a lot of interesting people on today's show. As always, a lot going on in the world of MMA. Unfortunately, on Tuesday, we found out that the highly anticipated Leon Edwards versus Hamza Chimaev fight on December 19th is off. It was a report that came out actually on Sunday stating that Hamza Chimaev tested positive for covid But I found out on Tuesday that it was actually Leon Edwards who tested positive for COVID. And I'm told that he's actually not feeling great at all. This isn't one of those asymptomatic uh, cases. This is one where he is is battling this thing. And I wish him the best. My my thoughts are with Leon Edwards right now. He has lost 12 pounds, according to his management team. uh, Very sick for the last few days. So I hope he gets well soon. And as of right now, the plan is to rebook that fight in early January of 2021. But, you know, if he doesn't get well soon, obviously they'll have to delay those plans. It does make me wonder why they don't keep Hamzat on the card. And especially when you have Neil Magny out there again, sitting in the front of the class, raising his hand, being begged to, to get tagged in. And, and they're like looking around like he doesn't exist. It's a bizarre thing. There you go. Neil Magny put him in there. You can save the fight. You can save Hamza's spot on the last card of the year. But for whatever reason, they don't seem interested in that right now. So as a result, the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Jeff Neal fight has been moved from the co-main to the main. And that's now going to be a five-round main event. Another thing happened since we last spoke on Monday with DC. Clarissa Shields, the two-time Olympic boxing gold medalist and in many people's eyes, the number one pound for pound female boxer on the planet. I personally think it's Katie Taylor, but ESPN.com has it as close to shields. She's incredible. She has signed with PFL. Now this is interesting. She's not leaving boxing, but she is crossing over to MMA. She's going to do both. Uh, Her debut isn't set just yet. It'll be sometime mid 2021, but this is an indictment on women's boxing. The fact that the best pound for pound fighter in the world, arguably has to go over to MMA to make more money. You would never see this on the male side of things. You would never see the top pound-for-pound fighter go over to MMA. You would never see Terrence Crawford or 
Canelo or, or, or Triple G or Lomachenko, Teofimo Lopez. You would never see those guys cross over. But she doesn't get the respect that she deserves. She doesn't get the paydays. So she's coming over to MMA. Now, does it build to a Kayla Harrison fight? Remains to be seen. She's still green. But a year ago, I told PFL that they should do this. I'm glad that they listened to me. Now, let's focus on today's program. This Saturday is a very special event on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. It's an event headline by Jack Hermanson against Marvin Vittori. Of course, by now you know it was supposed to be Jack Hermanson versus Darren Till. Then it became Jack Hermanson versus Kevin Holland. And then it became Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. It's being dubbed the UFC Fight Like Hell Fight Night. And it's a very important card for many different reasons, but most importantly is because it's in honor of the late, great Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott was a legend at ESPN, um, one of the all-time best sports center anchors, a guy that I grew up uh, looking up to and wanting to work at ESPN because of people like him. He had the catchphrases and he was beloved in the MMA community later on in his life because he really championed the cause that is MMA. He, he tried to get MMA covered more at ESPN. Unfortunately, in 2015, he passed away due to a very courageous fight with, with cancer. And because it's the 14th uh, V week for cancer research, and because there is a Stuart Scott Cancer Research Memorial Fund, uh, this event is, is in honor of him and they're raising money and there's all kinds of great things going on. So later in the program, I'm actually going to talk to his daughter, Sydney Scott, who's a very impressive young woman about um, her dad and his love of MMA and his legacy. So stay tuned for that. We will also talk to Jack Hermanson about why he accepted this fight against Marvin Vittori without any hesitation and why he was just very anxious to fight one more time in 2020. So stay tuned for that. We will also talk to Derek Lewis, who was supposed to fight this past weekend against Curtis Blades. Unfortunately, that fight got canceled because Curtis tested positive for COVID. Hopefully, we'll get it in early 2021. So it's always great to catch up with the Black Beast. But first... Let us talk to the man who replaced him in the main event this past Saturday in Las Vegas at the Apex, the one and only Anthony Smith, who had a really tough year leading up to Saturday. Of course, lost two fights to Glover Teixeira and Alexander Rakic, and also had that home invasion that he dealt with in April. But he took this fight and beat Devin Clark in impressive fashion. First round, triangle choke, asked for five rounds, and now he's back on track. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. There are a few more introspective and thoughtful people in MMA than anthony smith and it's great to see him get his hand raised once again so without further ado first up here's my conversation with lionheart anthony smith now let us say hello to the man who was victorious in the main event of the last ufc fight night in las vegas this past saturday he wasn't supposed to be the main event and this has become a theme for anthony smith uh seven straight main events now but the last two weren't supposed to be main events he's just destined to be fighting in the headliner he of course defeated devin clark via very impressive triangle choke and now here he is joining us and it's good to talk to him again back in the winner circle anthony how are you and congratulations on the big win thanks man i'm good i'm good i'm i'm enjoying uh back back being in dad mode uh, i've been running around monday and and today just trying to catch up and and keep up with these kids um i would imagine being back you know doing the dad stuff is a lot more fun and tolerable now that you're coming off a win right just having that feel like everything probably tastes better life is just better right yeah yeah i feel uh, a relief is the best way to explain it i'm just i don't i don't i don't know i don't feel like i have anything weighing over my head or or 
or heavy shoulders, you know, it's always that flight home that you really feel it, you know, like you feel the weight of the loss when you get on the plane and like you didn't accomplish your mission. Mm. Uh, but when you sit down after you won and, and you're, you're on, cause like when you're getting, when you land, you're getting off the plane, you have this objective that you're going to go accomplish, you know? Uh, and then if you don't, if it doesn't work out, then you get back on the plane and you're like, man, this sucks, you know, but it's a, it's a gratifying feeling to sit down in that seat and know that you did your job. You said all the right things going into this fight, but now looking back, now that it's over, uh, would, would you say that there was maybe a little more pressure on your shoulders? Did you feel more pressure? Were you more anxious considering how the last two fights went? Uh, I don't know if it was because of the pressure that I felt more anxious. I think I let myself be anxious, if that makes any sense. A lot of like, a lot of the things that me and my therapist talked about was not forcing myself to feel any certain way. Like I've, and I've kind of done that my whole life. Like if I think I'm supposed to be nervous here, I'll talk myself out of it and give myself reasons to not be nervous. Or if I'm having anxiety about something, or if I'm, you know, like instead of trying to dictate how I feel, I just been letting myself feel that way, you know? So for the first time in a long time, I, I, since the beginning, I was actually, I had some, some anxiety the day of the fight. Wow. Um, and I, and I don't know if I would call it nerves. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it was, but it's something I hadn't felt in a really long time. And instead of, you know, in previous times where I would, you know, the day of the fight, I'd wake up and I'd be like, mm, okay, my stomach kind of feels weird. Or I got these butterflies or something. Uh, I just blow it off and, and tell myself like, you're not nervous. Like, don't worry about it. There's nothing to worry about. You're fine. And like Saturday, I just was like, all right, like that's a little bit of anxiety make friends with it. It's there. It's not going anywhere. Um, and, but, but the fight's still happening. I still have to make the walk. So, mm. um, like nothing, nothing really changes. I don't know. I just allowed myself to, maybe I just let myself feel, maybe that's what it comes down to. Prior to Saturday, your last victory was June of 2019 against Alexander Gustafson, which feels like five years ago, considering everything that's happened in this world uh, since then. And, and uh, you know, the stakes in that fight and, and the scene was very special. And, and then you get this win and it's an impressive submission. You get your hand raised after everything you've been through. Can you describe what that feeling was like when you locked it in, you felt the tap, you get your hand raised, like those few minutes in the cage. What is that feeling like after everything you've been through? It's just a, just a, flood of emotions you know like that it's so crazy like I always I, I say it all the time I tell myself it all the time I tell anybody that'll listen like I'll always figure it out you know like I'll, I'll find a way I always find a way and, and but every single time I do it's almost like it's a surprise you know like I get the win and and then it's you know I just remember thinking like we did it like the odds stacked against me everyone wondering where my head's at how healthy am I like I, I like, I, I knew how healthy I am. Like, I know where my head's at, but like, it's just, I don't know, man. It, it just seemed like this one was really heavy and I don't know why, but just relief is just the way I can explain it. Just, just happy. And, and, and then a little bit angry, you know, like it goes the way, exactly the way that I said it was going to go, that I was going to dominate him, that he wasn't good enough. Um, and then everyone, you know, like this, there's so much, hate and the questions and, and I, like I even heard I felt it in the media day people the media is very good to me but the questions are the same it's just the way that they ask them are a lot nicer than a lot than than maybe they would ask someone else but it was a lot of doubt 
so then there was a little bit of anger, like, like, why do you guys always doubt me? Like, why am I always catching shit from everybody? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Obviously, a lot was said about you and your team after the Glover fight. A lot was said about you after the Rakich fight. Were you starting to doubt yourself? Because when all that is being said about you, I'm wondering if it starts to, you know, rock your confidence a little bit. No, no, I don't think I was doubting myself. But sometimes some of those people do raise great questions, you know, like, even though I know that it's being meant to, like, it's being brought to me as an attack some of the things that they do say are valid. Like I'm losing fights that I shouldn't be losing. I'm like, why is that happening? Um, did I lose something after I lost to John? Like, was there like, I didn't feel like I did, but there are questions like, man, like did, did I, did I lose the fire? Like, did I lose that? Did I lose my edge? Did I, am I not as edgy as I used to be? Am I not as, as hungry? You know, like I didn't think I was, but you do have to ask yourself those questions because if the whole world's saying it, you have to address it, you know, at least, consider that, that that might be the case. And, and, you know, I, like I said, I went off and, and asked myself a bunch of hard questions. A lot of those questions are things that people that, that have been raised about me in the media. Like I, I'd be a fool to not make sure that, that I'm, that I'm okay. You know what I mean? Leading up to the John fight and after the John fight, you have been fighting a murderer's row, right? Like a who's who at two Oh five. And with all due respect to Devin Clark, he's not quite there just yet. He doesn't have that name. He doesn't have that resume. When you were told that Devin Clark was the guy that they wanted to match you up against next, what was your reaction? How did you take that? I was just, it was sad. It was like, that was sad. Like, I remember thinking, how in the world did I end up in the spot where I'm fighting Devin Clark? Like, what happened? You know, and, and I sat on that for a while, like, how the hell did we get here? Like, how did I lose to Alexander Rakic? You know, like Glover, like that one sucks, but it doesn't keep me up at night either. You know, like, especially now, like now look at the guy, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a superstar. Mm -hmm. um, so that one was a, a lot of circumstance and, and it was just a weird fight. It was a weird time in, in the world and whatever. But I just remember thinking like, how in the hell did this happen? Like everything was going so great. And and, and, and maybe that's what happened. Maybe things were going great and I, and I, maybe I lost track and lost focus a little bit. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say sadness. I just, just was disappointed that that was where I ended up. So as a result of that, was it hard to get up for it initially? Like, was it hard to go to the gym? Was it hard to train for it knowing that you weren't really all that excited about the matchup? No, no, not at all. Um, I was, it was, again, there was a lot of new things for me. Or, or fresh things for me, this training camp, I, I was excited to get to Denver, you know, typically I've been doing this a long time. So like mm -hmm. when it comes time to leave, I kind of dread it a little bit, like got to leave my family. I, I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to, it's a lot of travel. Um, it's, it's just a lot. So it takes me, I don't know, a week, maybe two weeks to kind of get in the groove. And then then I'm, then I'm rolling and you know, my schedule's down. I've adjusted everything. And, and, and then we're, you know, we're rocking and rolling, but it usually takes a couple of weeks for me to like get in the fight camp mode in this one. It didn't take any time at all. I was actually excited to go. I was ready to start. I started a week early hmm. um, than what we actually scheduled. I, just in a good place. You know, I, I, I was, I was just ready to get back and, 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 and right those wrongs. You know, I saw on the, I think it was the post-fight show, might have been the post-fight press conference, but at some point, someone said to you, 
something regarding the fact that this was your 50th pro fight and you did not know that. And that surprised me. That's a milestone, especially in this sport. In boxing, you see it a little more. But in this sport, a lot of guys don't get to 50. How did you not know that? Like, I feel like this is something that, I don't know, maybe for me, maybe I'm different, like top of mind. Like, that's a big deal, right? 50 pro fights. That's a huge deal. How did you not know that? I don't know. I just don't keep, I just don't keep track. I don't even know how many fights I have in the UFC. Wow. That is wild. Yeah, I don't know. What does that mean to you? Like, you, oh, you made it to 50. Did you think you would that's, make it to 50? Was that a, like, no. was that a, a goal? No, 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 that's crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> crazy. Um, that's crazy. Yes. Uh, like when I, uh, I was thinking about it in the hotel afterwards, you know, where the team was sitting around in the hotel room and I was trying to go back and like, think of some of the ones that I'd like, you know, kind of get lost and, and you don't really remember that all that much. Uh, and I was like, I, I can remember most of them, but like there was a couple, you know, there's a couple that, that I had completely forgotten about. My coach just pulled up my record. Uh, and there was a couple, I was like, oh man, I forgot about that one. You know, wow. like it's nuts that like most guys could name every single person they've ever fought. And I probably have like 10 that I had, had no idea. I bet like one night you could play a fun game with friends where they just like rattle off names and you'd have to decide if, if, if you fought this guy or did it and, and, <laughs> and even like tell a crazy, like top of mind right now, I'm sure you fought in some weird spots early on in your career, right? Cause you, you've kind of mm-hmm. been there and done it all at this point and seen it all. What's the weirdest spot that you fought in? Like the weirdest circumstances. Is there one that sticks out? Uh, well, okay. Before I tell you the story, you know, what's even crazier than the 50 fights. I had 23 amateur fights. Oh my God. <laughs> 23. How nuts is that? That yeah. is nuts. What took you so long? Most guys just jump right in there. Oh man. Well, it was, I mean, it was only two years. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I, I was, I mean, there was times I fought Friday night in like Kansas city and then drove to Sioux city, Iowa and fought Saturday. So I'd fight twice in a weekend or I'd fight, Wow. you know, three times a month. I mean, it was crazy. You're approaching but, 75 fights. Yeah. It's crazy. That is nuts. Yes, that is nuts. Um, craziest, you know, so back in the back when, like early on in my career, we fought on like a lot of Indian reservations Mm -hmm. and those shows always seem to kind of be the craziest, the craziest ones. But I fought this guy named Lucas St. Clair and I completely forgot about it until Saturday when someone was like, who's Lucas St. Clair? Um, he was, he was native. Um, and he signed his bout agreement from jail. He was like on the, in the, in the res jail, I believe. And so I'm thinking I'm going in to get like this easy win. Cause I think he got out of jail, like the day before weigh-ins or the day of weigh-ins um, got out of jail, weighed in, I weighed in. And, and so we fight, I don't even remember exactly. We're somewhere in North Dakota, but uh, I'm thinking I got this easy win coming, you know, and this dude was so good. It was crazy. It was like, it was like nine and two at the time or something, but I was like, ah, oh, He's coming straight out of jail, like no big deal. Did you know yeah, that going into the fight that he was coming out of jail? No, no, I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know until I got there that he just gotten out of jail. So um, we fight. It's a crazy hard fight. He's really good. Uh, I catch him in a submission and armbar in the second round, and then uh, he was actually really cool. So we want, you know, back then we were young, and you know, we're like, let's go party. So we go party together afterwards, and I tell him I'm going to meet him at the hotel. Um, so. I leave, I go there, I get hung up in the lobby talking. I go to like use my key to get in my room and I open the door and he's already in my room. No idea how he got there. Oh my God. Like 20 people with him. It was the scaredest I've ever been in my whole life. Like these guys were insane. They were crazy. What did you do? 
I just partied. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I, I didn't know what else to do. Like he ended up drop kicking my air conditioning unit out of the window onto out of my second like second story hotel room. Uh, it was nuts. But that's just like one of the many I have. East Grand Forks, Minnesota. That's where the uh, the fight mm. happened. Max fights ten. Max fights ten. How about what, that? What What was the date? The date was May eighth, two thousand ten. Crazy. He actually Crazy. lost his last eight fights. He hasn't fought since 2013. Four, 10, and one is his record and lost his last eight fights. That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder what uh, Mr. St. Clair is doing. I wonder what he's doing these days. Um, so going back to this week, uh, like I said, you weren't supposed to be the main event. Similar circumstance to uh, this past August when you fought Alexander, but eventually you get bumped up to the main event. Um, Friday morning, we find out that Curtis Blades is out. And so the story that I heard was, McMaynard, um, Hunter Campbell of the UFC, they were down with you fighting five rounds, but Dana White, for whatever reason, said, no, let's just keep it three rounds. And you had to call him and convince him to make it five rounds. So first off, if that's correct, why did you want five rounds? Uh, in the in the Rackage fight, as soon as the fight was over, uh, I remember thinking, I wish I had two more rounds. Okay. Because I... I you know, the whole entire third round, he was just kind of holding on for dear life. Like he didn't want to really, he didn't want to let me go. Um, he just wanted to hold me down the whole time. So I could feel him breathing so hard. He was so labored. He was, he's just really tired. Uh, his, and it, like his color was even changing a little bit. Like his muscles were starting to blow up. Um, and I really wasn't that tired. So I remember thinking, I wish I had two more rounds because I, I feel like that fight would have looked different in the last two than it did in the first three. So there was that. And then I just, I don't want any favors, you know, like I, I wanted to be like, I'm a main event fighter. And, and I knew that Devin, like, I didn't think Devin could, could keep that pace with me for three rounds, just the way that he fights and as muscular as he is and as explosive as he is. But even if he could, given the option, I knew that he couldn't do it for five. So um, it was strategic as far as my, you know, as far as the actual fight goes, like I want, I'd rather go five than three, but, um, I, and I just wanted to prove that I'm back, you know, like that, that if I had to go five, then I'm okay to go five. And, and by texting Dana, uh, and convincing him to, to give me the five rounds, I put pressure on myself to perform. It kind of takes the option away, uh, to not, to not go out there and just lay it out on the line because you can't, you can't do something like that with Dana. And then, and then not keep your end of the bargain. Mm. Like you don't have to, you know, it's not like you have to win, but you have to, it's gotta be exciting. Like you kind of force yourself to put your, you know, to, to put on a show. So I would think that he'd be all over this. He, he would love a guy to, to say, no, I want five rounds. That's the kind of guy that Dana White typically loves. Why did he want three? And, and how did you convince him to change it? It didn't really take a lot of convincing. Um, Mick Maynard and, and, and Hunter were, they were, they were totally down for it. They were, they were ready to, to roll, but I don't know if it, because of the, the way that COVID has been going and, and maybe Dana just, you know, they were training for three. It was only on 24 hours notice. Let's just keep them where they were at. Um, but it, as soon as I, I sent him a text and it just said, you know, Hey, I, I, I owe it to the UFC. I owe it to the fans and myself uh, to go out there and show that, that I, I, I fixed the, the problems that I've been having. Um, and then at the end, I just said, I, I've never asked you for anything and I would never ask you for anything if I wasn't sure that I could hold up my end of the bargain. Uh, it took him about 15 seconds. It was the fastest reply to a text I've ever gotten probably. 
and just said, done. That was it. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now let us say hello to the man who was supposed to headline this past weekend's UFC event in Las Vegas at the Apex. Unfortunately, Friday morning, we got the news that the fight was off. A highly anticipated heavyweight fight. It was Derek Lewis, that man right over there, going up against Curtis Blades. But unfortunately, we found out that uh, Curtis Blades tested positive for COVID. So the fight was canceled and the Black Beast didn't get the fight on Saturday. So we wanted to talk to him about that and a whole lot more. Derek, my friend, long time no speak. How are you? Doing good. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, for a moment, I thought that maybe we were on the outs. It had been a while, you know, after your win over Alexia Linick, usually we like to talk before or after your fights, didn't get a chance. So I'm happy, even though the circumstances aren't great, that we're getting a chance to talk today. Yeah, yeah. All those times, I was just getting too bougie. I didn't feel like talking to you. Yeah, you needed a break. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. We all do. Um, well, I'm sorry that this this happened this past weekend. Could I ask, uh, what was your reaction when you found out that the fight was canceled? I'm assuming Friday morning as well. Um, my reaction was immediately like, um, okay, who's they going to replace them with? That's the first thing I asked, and I was saying that, um, man, that's crazy because that was one of the things that I was worrying about all week long. You know, because they wanted me to commentate the Tyson fight. And so I was like trying to let a couple of weeks go by and say he might test positive from um, COVID. So I might still have a chance to um, commentate the Tyson fight. Then we ended up telling them, no, we couldn't do it. And so it was just a crazy week anyways, because we already, we had a feeling that something was going on because the UFC was telling me that I couldn't do the SOB match um, in December because they say they might want me to fight in December. And I'm like, I haven't even fought this fight. So I, it just felt weird that they already had said that something like that even before we find out he had tested positive for COVID. Okay, uh, interesting. Okay, there, there's a lot there. First of all, um, what is SOB? I think it's SUB or SOB. Submission, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Submission Underground, SUG. You're yeah. <laughs> Wait, so yeah, you had an yeah. offer on the table to that's Chell Sonnen's promotion to Yeah, to, I was supposed to go against uh, Ryan Bader for that. Okay. One. Yeah, I and, saw the poster. Um, Is that off? Yeah, it's off. Even though you didn't fight this weekend. Yeah. Why? Why is it off? Um, I don't know. I guess they they want me to do it. They're saying that um I was supposed to be fighting again in December. Interesting. But that didn't ha that's not happening, so 
I don't know. So did you have a premonition? Did you have a feeling that he was going to test positive all week while you were in Vegas? Yeah, because I, I, I've been keeping up with the news in Colorado and they're saying that it's spiking real. It went up real high out there. And so I had a feeling that he was going to be one of the victims. And, uh, did you ask maybe to put another heavyweight fight on the card so that if that happened, they could bump someone up so you could get a fight? No, I kind of had a feeling that they, they already had some guys lined up, but um, because they know anything like this. So I thought they had. There was. Right. There was another heavyweight fight on the card, Parker Porter. Those guys, was there ever any talk of bumping someone up? Yeah, we, we we say something about that, but um, my manager just laughed about it, saying no way in the world they would do that. Why? Uh, just us, you know, just out of the respect of those guys. So wait, you... You know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. I actually don't. I'm a little lost. Basically, it would, basically, it would just be an easy fight for me. And gotcha. We didn't want that. You, know? you, you didn't want an easy fight? No, I didn't want an easy fight. I felt bad for you, though, because you missed Thanksgiving. Here you are in Las Vegas. You're looking for a payday. You're getting ready to fight. And then the morning of the weigh-ins, you know, the plug gets pulled. That must have been frustrating, right? Yeah, it was frustrating because my teammate had some similar happen to her, well, Lauren, Lauren Murphy. Mm-hmm. And, like, three of her opponents had caught COVID the week of her fight. And so she had to keep replacing just her last fight. Right. Um, did you stick around in Vegas for the event or did you go back home on Friday? No, went home Friday, got home six o'clock. Did you do Thanksgiving a day late? Uh, we did something like that. We really don't celebrate Thanksgiving because of the history of it. Sure. So it was just, I don't even even think I ate turkey. I ate some chicken. That was about it. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you don't have to do anything. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Um, (laughs) and so what are they saying to you now? Are they trying to rebook this fight? They're saying right now on January the 16th in, um, I guess, Abu Dhabi, whatever, so whatever they're having the fights at overseas. Right. So how do you feel about having to go to uh, Abu Dhabi as opposed to Vegas, which is a lot closer to uh, to Houston, where you live? My dream place always wanted to be to go to um, Dubai. So it's like oh. something similar to Abu Dhabi, I guess. It's so, right there. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm so I'm excited about that. Why is that your dream place? Because it looks beautiful on TV. Yeah. So you don't mind the long flight and all that stuff? Uh, Not at all. Because, you know, it's going to be business class, first class. So I don't mind it at all. Yesterday, I don't know if you saw this. uh, I was talking to uh, Daniel Cormier, a former opponent of yours. And he said that he thinks it makes more sense if they actually split you guys apart. And and they do you versus Jarzinho, Curtis versus John Jones. I think it's a crazy idea. I think you versus Curtis is the fight to make. Save John Jones for a title fight whenever that Nganu Miocic fight happens. What did you make of that? Did you see this clip? What, what are your thoughts on this idea from Daniel Cormier? No, I didn't see it. But um, shit, it really don't matter. You know, I fight all three of them. So it don't matter what timeline it is. Um, but the fight to make right now, I think it makes the most sense. It's me and Curtis. Yeah. Is there bad blood between you and Curtis? No, mine. You know, um, he just been calling me out. I guess for a few years or a few months or whatever. You know, all all I see that is it's just a 
a crab in a bucket, a typical black guy in the hood. Don't want to see another black guy do good. That's all it is. You believe you you believe he's a hater? Yeah, I believe he's a hater. Well, why? He say something after every, every one of my fights. He, he got something to say. Yeah. So I'm it, just not finding out about all this. I don't even keep track of the guy. I don't even follow him. Right. But why do you think he's a hater? Like, what what, what is the 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 impetus of the issue here? Oh, I don't even know. I don't even think like that, so I wouldn't even can't even tell you anything. I heard him say that he thinks that uh, the UFC has been protecting you. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how I even think them because I fought just about everyone that's in the top 10, top 15. Right. You know, I fought everyone just about, except for the champion and um, Overeem. That's an outrageous statement. You you really have fought everyone. You've been very consistent, one of the most consistent fighters on the roster. Uh, definitely don't agree with that. Um, when we when we last spoke in February after the Latifi fight, you remember you told us that you were dealing with the, the health issues and you didn't know if you'd fight again. Of course, you came back but we never got to really clear that up. So I'm assuming everything's okay, right? Yeah, everything is good. No, I didn't have no issues this whole camp or anything like that. So I'm just thinking, yeah, hopefully it's, it's, it went away already. Yeah. Um, are you are you able to say what it was? No, I'm still not going to say what it was. Okay. But it's, yeah. it, it's no longer career-threatening or anything like that? Yes, at the moment, yes. Were you really worried? Oh, yeah, I was worried. Because I know a lot of athletes died like that. Oh, no. So it was life-threatening? Yeah. Jeez. Okay, well, I'm happy everything's okay. Did you need surgery or anything like that? No. They okay. tried to get me to get surgery beginning of the year. Um, yeah, beginning of the year, and I told them no. You didn't want it? No, I didn't want it. And now they're saying all good? Yeah. Okay. Um, can I ask, if, if the Blades fight happens... Like what? What is at stake in that fight for you? Do you feel like you you would be next for Stipe and, and Francis? Do you feel like something else? What, like what, what do you think you're fighting for in that fight? Really, don't even know. At the moment, it seems like it's still at the standstill. They still don't have a date for the um, the title fight. So I wouldn't want to just sit around and just wait for the title or nothing like that. I want to still be active. Right. It wouldn't matter who who I fought next. You know, I wouldn't be just sitting around pouting. Saying that, oh, it's my my title shot. I've been waiting such and such a long time, and blah blah blah. I wouldn't be doing anything like that. I'll just still be active. It's got to be a little frustrating to be a heavyweight in the UFC now because the belt is only being defended once a year, and uh, it feels like everything just moves so slowly, right? I guess for the guys that really care about the belt, I guess that is. You know, me and my ego ain't that big for me to be feel like I need to be the best in the world to, to prove my point or anything like that. You know, to me, it's just um, a, a nine to five. It's a job and I'm just happy and blessed that, that I get to do it. Mm. But I mean, it's good that you say nine to five, because there was a time I remember you used to say that you would train only 30 minutes a day. So it was like nine to nine thirty. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, we had the we did change the this whole year. And um, the last year, we changed um, the minutes up. So we train a lot longer than that now. What are you averaging per day now? Um, I said per day now, it's about three hours, three to four hours per okay. day. Nice. Uh, who do you think wins, Stipe or Francis? Well, I don't know. don't really care. 
Yeah, I figured you'd say that. What about John Jones? If you if you beat Curtis, will, would you be interested in the Jones fight? It don't matter. It just um had to renegotiate my contract. You That's know, it. even though I have um, one more fight after this Curtis fight on my contract anyway, so it'd probably be perfect timing. Yep. You want to stick around? Yeah, I would like to stick around, yeah. Um, how do you think John will do as a heavyweight? You think this is a good move for him? I think it would be a great move for him. Um, you just got to look at the other heavyweights out there. It's like, ain't nothing really spectacular that, in my eyes that really stand out that will give him any trouble. You, know? mm. you think he can win the belt up there? I believe he can. You know, because I believe he walk around heavier than Stipe does anyways. Mm. No, Stipe fights at like 230, and Jones walk around at 240. So he's already a heavyweight anyways. You know? For you, you can make a case that a bigger fight would be John Jones, even if a belt isn't attached, than fighting Stipe or Francis, right? Yeah, it really don't matter. You know, I'm not I'm not doing it for attention. I don't know no. why. That's why I don't be doing interviews with you, boy. Why? Y'all ask me the same question over and over. Me, like what? I'm saying, what I'm saying is it don't matter who I fight. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying it's an interesting fight. Like John Jones is, is a big name, that's all. Yeah, I'm a big name too. I know. Yes, I know. That's why I <laughs> want to talk to you. Where did we go wrong, Derek? I mean, what happened to us? We were so good. We were we were I don't know. I guess you was in the studio and now you're in the <laughs> library and like I guarantee you haven't opened up one of those damn books behind you and read one of them. You'd be surprised. Yeah, oh, I'm surprised. God. I guarantee you that's not even your bookshelf behind you. I guarantee you that. Whose bookshelf is it? So you had a children library. Even if they are children's books, got to read them to your kids, right? Yeah. And it, you know, a year ago, a year ago next week, you came to my show. You're the trivia show. I mean, we were vibing back then. We were we were really meshing. Now I got to yeah. like, you know, now I get now I get the stiff arm. You know, it's just I just wanted to know if 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 something went wrong. That's all. Oh, you never paid me for that show, so that's why <laughs> that's what went wrong. You gave me a itchy ass um, beanie that was and sent me on my way. Do you wear it? Is it good? Yeah, I use that as a nut rag. That's about it. Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, life is good, uh, Derek. You know, it's always great to talk to you. It's a, it's a, it's a treat that I cherish now more than ever because I, I honestly, I felt like I took it for granted. And uh, and now here you are back. And so it's uh, it's good to catch up. I'm sorry that you didn't get a chance to fight, but uh, hopefully we'll get to see that fight January 16th. As you just said on the uh, the Max Holloway Calvin Cater card, you'll be maybe you stick around for the Conor McGregor fight the next week. Because I know you love to watch the fights. You can stick around. He's fighting the following week. Oh, who's he fighting? <laughs> Stop it! You know who he's fighting. Come no, on. I'm serious. I don't believe you for a second. You know who he's fighting. He's fighting Jake Paul finally. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's fighting Dustin Poirier. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Oh, okay, that's good. Who do you think? But no, I won't stick around. And <laughs> I know you won't. Jake Paul or Connor? Who do you think wins? Who I think won? Who I think? I think Jake Paul won. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's um if it's um motivated Connor, what I've been hearing, <laughs> I believe Connor will win. Nobody motivated beats motivated Connor. <laughs> C level Kane motivated Connor, right? Yes, T- yes. What are you? Yeah. What's yours? Everyone has a thing, right? Everyone has like Motivated Connor, C level Kane, TRT Vitor. What's the what's Derek's? No seasoned chicken, Lou. <laughs> I get no seasoned chicken, and somebody gonna have to pay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I like it. I like it. Derek, thank you for the time and uh, looking forward to seeing you back in there. All right. Thank you. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let us now turn our attention to this weekend's main event in Las Vegas at the Apex. It was supposed to be Jack Hermanson against Darren Till. Then it became Jack Hermanson against Kevin Holland. And then finally, hopefully, the last one, it's Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori in the main event this Saturday, UFC Fight Night. And of course, we're talking to the Joker, Jack Hermanson himself. Jack, thank you for doing this. We have a lot to discuss, um, and, and I appreciate the time very much. You're now in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm at the hotel right now. So we did the COVID test and uh, yeah, one day of quarantine to waiting for the result. Uh, I, I believe this is your first fight in Las Vegas, correct? Yep, that's right. First trip to Las Vegas as well? Second trip. What was the first one? I was coaching my friend in the Contender Series. Kenneth okay, yeah. interesting. Uh, I'm sure when you dreamed of fighting in the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, it didn't include an empty apex. It, it probably was, you know, sold out arena on the strip, T-Mobile, MGM, right? It's a little weird to debut in Las Vegas this way. Yeah, it is. It is. I was uh, driving past that new arena on the way here. It just looks amazing. And, you know, you're looking at it and just like, man, uh, to fight in there would be something. And then you're going to this small, small thing now. But yeah, uh, at least I got the opportunity to fight. So, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to... Uh, uh, those big arenas when everything is opening up again. So uh, I want to start actually with the new news first. Um, on Saturday, we found out that you were not fighting Kevin Holland. Unfortunately, he tested positive for COVID. And now you were fighting Marvin Vittori, who was scheduled to fight on December 12th against Hanaldo Jacare Souza. And so they basically swapped them, Marvin mm -hmm. fighting you, Kevin Holland fighting Jacare. And then shortly thereafter, a video courtesy of your video blog series, which I want to get to as well, came out of your manager, Tim Simpson of, of Paradigm, calling you and telling you the news. And, and as we've talked in the past, it doesn't look like a lot of things bother you. You seem like a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. In that moment, you seem pretty crushed when you heard the oh, news. Could man. you tell us what you were feeling after you had already made the trip, right, to Las yeah. Vegas, the long journey to Las Vegas that your opponent, your second opponent now was out? Yeah. I didn't expect that at all. And he was just like, man, can we, can, can we speak? Uh, and yeah, he called me. And when he told me that, man, the world just fell apart. Uh, uh, I felt like, no, no, no. You know, all, all of this and all the preparation, the travel, everything. And I'm so ready to fight. And, and suddenly it's not going to happen. Uh, so, so I was crushed. But just for a couple of seconds before he, he told me that they had a replacement fight for me. So that, then it was all good again. And it sounded like you even said yes to the replacement fight before you even knew who the replacement was. Yeah, it was stri straight away, you know. Uh, yeah, it, I, I didn't test it at all. Uh, it didn't matter who it was, you know. Uh, as long as I have a fight, uh, I'm all good with it right now. So 
Uh, I, I'm here in Vegas to fight, and they, they can put anyone in front of me now. But I was happy with um, uh, Vittori, though, you know, uh, he being a ranked fighter and all, so uh, that, that's good. But safe to say you probably would have said yes to anyone. Yeah, I, I would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how familiar were you with Marvin Vittori? Uh, very familiar. Uh, uh, I know about him for, for many years and uh, seen his fights, uh, so I, I, I knew exactly who he was. And uh, I think it makes for a for a good fight. So um, uh, you know he's a southpaw as well, like like Darren was. So all of that the preparation uh, there is is uh, is coming to use. By the way, did you think it was a little weird that on the same day that this all happened, um, and that it was it was announced and reported that Kevin Holland is now fighting the following week? Uh, I, I couldn't understand why the media didn't like push on, on that it was just like everybody just reported it like it yeah. was nothing and i'm just like why isn't everybody anybody discussing this <laughs> trust me i think it's a little bit strange and i feel like yeah. we should put a little asterisk next to that one because as of right now he's still positive for covid right he still has to get through yeah. that yeah <laughs> and it's just like okay it doesn't he have any symptoms and how long would it last and uh, he probably needs to isolate for a good amount of time uh, right. and not not train at all or uh, yeah i don't know man uh, there is some questions there for sure <laughs> yes absolutely um so luckily you get this fight and uh it's it's remaining a five round main event so i would imagine your respect for marvin for stepping up for taking the fight a week prior to his schedule about five rounds I'm assuming, you know, Marvin's the kind of guy who likes to get in people's faces. He's a little bit yeah. intense, but I, I would imagine you have a lot of respect for him, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's awesome that he's uh, willing to step up. and uh, But of course, it's a good opportunity for him to to go through the rankings. Uh, but yeah, I, I know that he, he usually has a beef with his uh, his opponents, but no ba- bad words was exchanged yet. So uh, uh, all good so far. Yet. Yet being the yet. key word. <laughs> Still a few days. Um, yeah. So what was your reaction when you, because Darren Till, of the three, let's be honest, Darren Till was the biggest name, right? That was yeah. a massive fight, a potential number one contender fight. When you found out it was going from Darren Till to Kevin Holland a couple of weeks ago, how did you react to that? Uh, yeah, you know, I wasn't super happy with it. I, I really wanted uh, a bigger name uh, and we really pushed for it. Uh, but in the end, we ended up with, with uh, Kevin Holland and uh, I wasn't sure about taking the fight, fight at first. But immediately when I started to doubt doubt it, and uh, I just felt like so empty, and I felt like like the preparation was going so good, and I just need to fight right now. I'm I'm in the best shape ever, uh, and uh, I feel like uh, you know I, I don't want to be uh, irrelevant and sitting down, and uh, so so people are forgetting about me. Uh, I want to stay in there and and uh, show myself. Uh, so uh, I felt like yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I remember you posted a video on your Instagram page, and I believe you said five opponents turned you down before they settled on Kevin Holland. Yeah, five that I know of. Uh, wow, let's yeah. name them. Here we go. Number no, one. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, why are you protecting them? They turned you down. Yeah, I know, but uh, you know, you never know. Like, even with the ne- ne- like negotiations and stuff. Uh, there can be details and uh, yeah, you, you never know. But there was definitely uh, uh, some guys that said no. The Holland fight was fun because he had won four fights in, in 2020 and he wanted to be Batman as a kid. Yeah. You're the Joker. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was perfect. <laughs> that, that was fun, actually. So uh, yeah. there was something going on there. Yeah, so. unfortunately. Is that something that you're interested in or do you think that, uh, you know, uh, maybe revisiting after the Vittori fight or do you think that, once you get past Vittori, you're kind of be past him. Let, let's forget about Holland. Let's forget about Till. 
you know, if, if I beat one more guy now, it doesn't matter who it is. I'm ranked number four. And uh, it needs to be a contender fight. Uh, mm. It needs to be against Paulo Costa or Robert Whittaker. Um, I feel, you know, Adesanya already fought uh, Costa and Whittaker, and we need somebody else up there. I feel like I am that guy. I'm ranked number four, and I have a different skill set, you know, with my grappling and all. Uh, and I feel like that's what we need to see with Adesanya next. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so here's my question. Why even do you versus Costa or Whittaker? Why not you versus yeah. Israel? Yeah, I know. I know. It's just like, I, I don't You're being too like, nice. Yeah, I, I know. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm pushing for it. I'm pushing for it. But, yeah, I think I need some help, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good at fighting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully the UFC and the fans can see that, you know, it's interesting to see Israel against a guy like, like Jack. You know, he has something else. He can be dangerous. What happens if Jack takes him down? You know, and uh, uh, if people get interested in that, maybe maybe uh, I could fight Israel next. Uh, but I'm gonna do my best after this this win and make a push for it. What was your reaction when you found out that they uh, they want to do Israel versus Jan Bohovic for the 205 pound belt? Well, it's it feels alright just because it's Israel. Uh, I really believe that he can win that fight, and I really believe that he will stay active and go down and defend his belt pretty okay. quickly. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Israel does one in light heavyweight next year and one in, in middleweight. And if he can make it happen, then it's all right. Should he lose and he needs time off and all of that and he loses his hype with the loss, you know, right. that wouldn't be good at all. But what if he's a double champ, you know, and I'm going up there and dethroning him, that would be my dream, you know, so... <laughs> I like that you already, like, you, you came out with this. I'd even ask you about who's next. This is something that's on your mind. Yeah, all the time. It's what I'm thinking about, man. That's the, the title to become the best. That's feeding me the energy that, that I need for the training and everything. And, you know, even the motivation for this opponent uh, is the title, just to reach the title, you know. So uh, that's the only thing that motivates me. And that's what's, what's keeping me in the sport, you know. That, that's my, my, my goal. You know, I've talked to enough fighters over the years who have said very similar things to what you're saying right now. And then unfortunately they stumble and then they get another run and they say, you know what? I was too focused on the title and now I need to just focus on the, the, the next fight and the next fight. And, but you are, you are openly saying that you are like almost obsessed with the title and becoming yeah. the best. Yeah. Is that healthy? Is that good? It, it, uh, it's the only thing I know and I can't change anything about it. It does, doesn't matter. You know, even when I lost to, to Canonier, it, I just took it like, all right, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for the title yet. Mm. And now I've improved and now I feel like I can beat anyone and uh, including israel so uh, uh yeah and uh, you know the, the guys can try to prove me wrong but uh, I, I really believe in, in my skills and uh, and that that is going to be my goal that's that's always going to be my focus okay um considering the fact that you're you know highly ranked and he's trying to kind of break through and it's short notice for him and all this stuff do you feel like you need to finish in order to get what you want next year like you need to prove a point on saturday yeah, but I always feel like that, man. I always feel like I need to prove a point and show that I'm, you know, because I want to fight the best. So I, I, I feel that every fight and I'm always, always looking for the finish. And uh, that's like, that's what's going through my mind in the fights. Uh, you will never see me like try to ride in a decision or anything like that. I'm always trying to finish. Uh, so, and if I don't finish, uh, I don't feel full, fully satisfied with the, with the win. 
Uh, last thing, what do you think is the, the key to beating Marvin Vittori? The key to beating Marvin is, yeah, I, I think as long as I don't do any big mistakes, so just keep my focus through the fight and things will present itself. Uh, that's the only thing I need to do. So if I'm 100% focused, I, I don't see him be, beating me. Um, I, I need to sleep on something to, uh, for that to happen. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, so that's the story with Jack Hermanson. If you want to listen to that entire interview, go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel right now. You can also get the full Derek Lewis and Anthony Smith interviews as well. We're doing some great things over there. And another great thing going on this week at ESPN is V Week. As you may know, it's V Week. And during these challenging times, ESPN and the V Foundation's fight against cancer has not stopped. If you are able, Please support cancer research by visiting v.org slash donate, and 100% of what you give goes to cancer research. Now, as I said at the top of the show, this Saturday's UFC event, headlined by Jack Hermanson and Arm Vittori, is being dubbed the UFC Fight Like Hell Fight Night, and it's in honor of the late, great Stuart Scott, who passed away due to his battle with cancer in 2015. An absolute legend at ESPN. I, I, I spoke on Monday with DC about how much he meant to me in my one brief interaction with him at a Knicks game in 1999. And so when I was given the opportunity to speak to his daughter, Sydney Scott, who, as I said at the top, is an incredibly impressive young woman. She's a junior in college, but when you speak to her, you'll forget that she's in her early 20s. About her father, his legacy, about what he was like as a dad, about his love of MMA. Like I said, this man loved MMA and even trained mixed martial arts towards the end of his career. Uh, it was it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up, and it was a huge honor and privilege to talk to Sydney. So this is a portion of my conversation with Sydney, in particular about uh, you know Stewart's connection to the sport of mixed martial arts. But I do urge you to listen to the entire thing over on the main ESPN YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash ESPN, uh, because it was a great 30-minute conversation with Sydney Scott. In any event, here's a portion of that conversation with Sydney Scott, the daughter, the youngest daughter of the late, great Stuart Scott. Enjoy. Something that always was impressive to me as someone who kind of wanted to do what he did one day was to see the respect that the athletes had for your father, the way they spoke to him. They spoke to him differently than they spoke to other people. When the NBA champions would get their award, it was different when your dad was holding the mic as opposed to someone else. And I'm, so, I'm wondering, like... What's your favorite sort of athlete Stuart Scott moment? Is there a moment that you were privy to behind the scenes where you saw someone who was larger than life speak to your dad like a friend, like a colleague, where you know most people wouldn't get that kind of interaction? I can even I can do even better than that. Ready? Okay. Um, so when I I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember um, we were I was at ESPN with my dad, and he was shooting a commercial. Um, I it had it had something to do with someone stuck in a tree. Don't remember all the details, but I remember it was him 
and it was Shaq. And in between takes, again, it, it was just, it was, it was ease and it was mutual respect. Um, and I don't know where this request came from, but I wanted to try on Shaq's shoes. <laughs> and so my dad was kind of like, yeah, that would be super funny. You know, like, like, you know, again, no, like, oh my God, like my daughter really wants right, to right. Okay. Like he was like, this would be hilarious. Let's definitely do this. And so there's a picture of me somewhere wearing my, didn't take my shoes off, wearing my shoes inside Shaq's shoes. And they're probably about as long as I was tall. Um, and that was, that was, it was a lot of fun. And again, it was, it was that he, he had a very, he had personal relationships with people. And I think that it was very fundamentally based on mutual respect. Another thing that always stuck with me and impressed me, blew me away, honestly, was, you know, after he was diagnosed with cancer, you would hear of him taking some time off for treatment and then coming back to work sometimes on the same day. Obviously, you would see that he was, you know, a little skinnier and, and can't imagine, you know, I know people who have been affected by cancer, can't imagine being on television, and the amount of energy that takes. What do you remember from those days and, and what he had to muster up in, in terms of getting on television and performing the way in which he did? Um. I think those times were a very a sort of counterintuitively a mix of extreme insecurity and extreme courage because um, you know the the darker side or the you know the the less the less inspiring side of it is that it was really really scary and you know, his job was a, was a public facing job. And, you know, it really, it, it was really difficult for him to, to lose all that weight and to be gaunt and to, to not feel like himself and not to, and to not feel strong. I know that one of, you know, one of the things that he said to me when, and, you know, in a very vulnerable place was that he, he, he hated what cancer did to him because it made him feel like he couldn't protect my sister and I. Um, and so there was, there was a lot of insecurity. There was a lot of fear that I think, um, I think it's, I think it's really, it's, it's true and it's helpful and it's powerful to talk about people's courage and to talk about people's resilience. But I think it is just as necessary and realistic to talk about fear and vulnerability. Um, and so I think it was, you know, there was all of that, but at the end of the day, he did, he did still get up and, you know, whether it be at the ESPYs, go onto that stage or walk into the studio and do the job that people really appreciated him for doing. And so, um, so, so that, that was, it was a very, it was a very particularly, mm, that's not eloquent. <laughs> it was a, it was a really difficult time, but it was something that was, was really unique to watch him both struggle with and struggle through. A lot of sports communities have a lot of respect for your father. Um, the MMA community as well, believe it or not, because he was one of the first people at ESPN to say, yo, this MMA sport deserves some attention. And, and for Stuart Scott to give this sport that no one was talking about a few years ago, love and attention. And in fact, train in MMA while he was sick was a real impressive thing. And it, like, it was almost like, wow, like a big star like Stuart Scott actually cares about our little sport. This was really cool stuff. And, and, and again, groundbreaking stuff. When you saw that he was starting to train in MMA, despite the fact that he was battling cancer, what did you think? And what do you remember of that? Um, I remember that as being exactly who he was. Um, he absolutely loved sports all my life growing up. He was playing pickup football. He was playing, you know, tag football. He was playing soccer with me. Um, and obviously, 
the the sort of the nature of running was was kind of was was difficult for him and so it was genuinely the most incredible thing for me as a kid to be able to watch him get back into and have access to like the 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 physicality of sports again because that would that it just ended up being the perfect outlet for him and I think that I am again I am I didn't grow up watching MMA and he didn't grow up watching MMA and so on the one hand it was it was really really incredible to watch that community just welcome him um and on the other hand it was just so awe-inspiring to watch him feel joy like that it was like really like I (laughs) but if I can tell a quick story (laughs) his favorite thing to do was to especially at family holidays is to put any and everyone in a rear naked chokehold and nobody was exempt his you know his 12 year old daughter isn't exempt his 70 year old mother isn't exempt and you do in fact have to tap out like he he was he was like I'm sorry do you know make make a rational decision here um, and so it just brought so much joy to him to be able to engage in that, in that part of him, in that, in that side of him again, that just loved sports and didn't just love watching sports and commentating on sports, but just really participating in and engaging sports. So it was, it, it's, it was really amazing. And so more to that point, how do you feel about the fact that the UFC now for the, what is it? Third straight year has an event in honor of your father and, and, and the name of the event is, you know, in reference to his famous SB speech, which you attended, which I do want to ask you about as well to, to hear that this whole night is dedicated to him. And I don't know if you watched it last year, but so many great clips and so much, you know, about cancer research. What, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I did. I watched it last year and my sister, actually, she went in person and she, she shared a lot with me after she got back about how, how grounding it was to be there. Um, and one of the things that she said was that it was one of, one of the most incredible things that she talked about was the number of people who were able to be very brave and vocal about communicating and vocalizing their pain and their loss. And that it was this environment in which again, sort of counterintuitively, there's so much energy, there's so much passion, there's so much joy. And there is also, you know, camaraderie that's based on the understanding that you know, this, this event is being held in, you know, in honor of someone that we have lost in support of people who are going through it right now. Um, and to me, there is genuinely nothing, there's nothing more powerful than that. What do you think your dad's legacy ultimately is? Also, also a good question. Um, I think that it has, you know, I think it has the potential to be a lot of things. It's obviously very, you know, intertwined with sports. Um, But I do think, I do hope, and I do think that it, um, it transcends the sort of the act of sport a little bit and is, and is more accurately sort of the, the community of sport and the feeling of sport and the emotion of sport and the environment of sport. Um, you know, I, I grew up playing sports. I absolutely love sports. There's, you know, there's never a time that I feel more alive than when I'm, than, than when I'm playing sports. And I think that that feeling and that feeling sort of compounded by being in the room and being around other people who feel just as strongly as you, um, I think it, I think it's going to be that kind of community and that kind of, again, I've said it before, but that the engagement with with all kinds of communities and especially communities that haven't previously, you know, whether it be had access to certain sports or certain spaces, whatever it may be, I think that he is going to leave a long legacy of um, 
of seeing people and and really connecting with people. That's a great legacy. Sydney, thank you so much for the time. Really, this was a huge honor and privilege for me. Um, I wish the best to you, your sister, your entire family. And I want to let everyone know that they can go to v.org slash donate um, to, to help. And also you can go to stuart.threadless.com to get a really cool Booyah t-shirt. $25 yep. <laughs> of each shirt sold goes to the Stuart Scott Cancer uh, Memorial Research Fund. Uh, it's a great cause. I have my own shirt. I wore it proudly on my show on Monday, and I urge everyone out there who is a fan of his and uh, who wants to support the great cause to, to get one as well. All the best to you again. Thank you so much for the time, and hopefully we could do this again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So again, I, I really urge you to check out that full conversation on the ESPN YouTube channel. I enjoyed it very much, and if you're able to help out, by the way, we... Um, we were wearing those shirts on Monday's DC and Hawani. We'll also wear them on Aaron the Bad Guy on Thursday, which is back this week after a one-week hiatus um, that say Booyah on it, one of his famous catchphrases. You can get that shirt over at stuart.threadless.com, and and the, uh, the proceeds from those sales go to the Stuart Scott Cancer Memorial Research Fund as well. So uh, it's all for a great cause, and it's really cool that they're, uh, they're dedicating the Fight Night event to Stuart Scott. Uh, this weekend, much like they did last year in Washington around this time. And so I urge you all to uh, to support if you're able to. Now we have another busy weekend of combat sports coming up. Always a lot of fun when there's a lot going on as we approach the very end of the year. Of course, on Saturday, we have Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori, a very important fight for both men. Uh, some names like Ovin St. Pru and Merab Diwalishvili, Montana De La Rosa, uh, they're all on this card, so it's a, it's a nice little uh, it's a nice little fight night. It starts at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN two and ESPN plus. Also, the return of John Volante, which is very exciting. Unfortunately, he's not fighting Todd Duffy, but uh, he is on the card as well. And then the main card is at 10 p.m. Eastern, also on ESPN plus and ESPN two. But again, another busy weekend of combat sports. One championship is back as well on Friday and Gary Tonin is fighting on that card. So it's always very exciting when Gary Tonin is in action. There's LFA. There's a couple of really good boxing cards as well. Anthony Yardy against Lyndon Arthur and Errol Spence against Danny Garcia, which I'm really looking forward to his first fight. First fight for Errol Spence since that horrific car accident several months ago. You may recall, we thought that his career was over or, or, or that he might've died in that car accident. It was that bad. So this is a big fight. Perhaps it sets up the Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence fight in 2021. So if you're a fan of combat sports, certainly a lot going on. And uh, that is always good. That is always very exciting. For now, though, I am out of time. I do want to thank all our guests this week, Sydney Scott, Jack Hermanson, Derek Lewis, Anthony Smith. I want to thank all of you for continuing to rate, download, subscribe, and review. It's very important, my friends. And it just takes a second. Rate, leave a comment, do your thing. We appreciate it very much. Thank you also to TST who produced this whole damn thing. And I shall be back next week with Daniel Cormier to talk about all the other craziness going on in the world of MMA. Back next week. Same time and place. Tell us. I'm out of here.
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.